following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. He has come. Emmanuel, he is with us. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. It's time to wake up. The hour is late. I keep going back to a parable. A parable of a young man 
two young men. The young man wants his share of the inheritance. He's not deserving of it. He should not have it. It is an insult to the father that he would ask for it. He gathers together all he has, and he sets out for a distant country. And there he squanders his wealth in wild living. He squanders it in carousing, in debauchery. But soon, all of the friends that have gathered around him to help him spend his inheritance have disappeared because he's out of money. So after he's spent everything, suddenly there is a severe famine in the whole country, and he begins to be in need. Right now, that's where America is. We have spent the inheritance of our children. We have borrowed until we are so deeply in debt that we are being overwhelmed now with the printing of phony money, money that has nothing backing it except the word of the government. It has nothing of value. It's just a federal note. We have run out of money. And now the famine has come upon us. Now the the very difficult time has come to us where many will starve to death. There's not enough food. No, we're not experiencing that as directly in Washington because Washington, D.C. feeds at the pig trough of the government. The government contracts, the government culture of Washington is still rock and roll. But that too will run out. So finally, he does what everyone does when they run out of money. They begin to scramble to try to find some part-time work, some full-time work, something to bring in enough money to somehow cover the cost of their living somehow cover the cost of food and shelter and transportation. That's what this young man did. He went to the field to feed the pigs for a farmer. Now, nothing was more detestable for a Jewish boy than to feed pigs. Pigs! His religion said they're unclean, they're filthy, don't touch them. Now he's out herding them and, and feeding them. The scriptures say he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. In other words, he's hungry. Maybe he's making just enough money to pay for a place to lay his head at night, but not enough money to pay for the place to lay his head plus to have food. It's an either-or now. Either he pays for his place to sleep and doesn't eat, or he eats and he doesn't have a place to stay. 
The bills are too big to cover. They can't stretch far enough. That meager amount for feeding the pigs. Now he's in a position where he can wake up. I suspect that some of you are in this position. You have spent your money. You've used your credit cards. And now you're out of money. And you're scrambling to try to find work. See if you can drum up something. But you're very worried. You're very concerned. That's the time to wake up. But our pride will prevent us from waking up. Our pride will convince us that we have to buckle down and do what we have to do. And I know many Christians like that. And like King Asa, they won't go to the Lord about their diseased feet. Instead, they'll go to the doctors. They'll do everything they can do to survive on their own. They'll work long hours. They'll sacrifice their family and their children. They'll sacrifice everything to try to scrub together enough money just to pay for the rent and the food and the car. But they know they're not going to survive doing it. And some of you, frankly, have been doing it for quite some time. And you think you're awake. You think you have a theological basis to justify your position. But you're miserable. If someone were to ask you, how was your day? You'd say, it was a tough day. Every day's a tough day. Your face would be down. Life is hard. God is hard. God is making me pay for my past mistakes. God's a hard God. No, God is not a hard God. He said, my burden is, is light. My yoke is easy. God is not a hard God. But we refuse to wake up. We are determined that we are right. And we know. Well, you know what? Brothers and sisters, I feel like I've been trying to wake up my whole life. I feel like I just begin to get a hold of it. And then somehow it slips away. I wake up a little, but not enough. I come to some deeper understanding of the scriptures. I won't feel like I have awakened until I am functioning in the way the apostles and prophets functioned and the New Testament church functioned. I don't function that way right now. When we run out of food or we run out of rent or mortgage, we run out of car payment, and we can't scramble fast enough to save ourselves, then we know that faith has to rise up. 
And frankly, right now in the Christian church in America, there is a degree of faith that is beginning to rise up in the people's hearts. There is some level of faith that says, we're going to get through this some way. It's going to work out some way. We're not quite sure how, but we're confident it's going to work out some way. But the simple fact is, we're going to have to wake up. We're going to have to find a whole different way of dealing with God and dealing with each other. Right now, if we get angry with one another, we just cut each other off and off we go. No reaching out, no love, no compassion, just cut you off. You're bad, I'm good. You're wrong, I'm right. We're going to have to wake up and discover how very precious family is and how very precious friends are. You can't make old friends. You can only lose them. We're going to have to wake up. Now, in this story, the scriptures say, when he came to his senses, that is, when he woke up, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. It it does not say, you made me angry, Dad. This was your fault. And now I'm in a terrible situation because you didn't show me the love. You weren't generous with me. You didn't give me what I needed and what I wanted. So this is your fault. No, that's not repentance. Repentance is saying, I sinned. This is my creation. I did it. I'm responsible. I am 100% responsible. I have sinned against heaven, and I've sinned against you. Now, now we're getting serious about waking up. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Whoa, now that's waking up with humility of heart. He's finally willing to say, look, I messed up. I messed up so badly, I'm not even worthy to be called your son. I've, I've broken family relationship with you. I'm sorry. Make me like one of your hired men. I'll work for you. I'll serve you. But I know I'm not worthy to be called your son. I know I have no share in the household. I know I I separated myself from you, Dad. It's my fault. It was my pride. It was my arrogance. It was my stupidity. I'm responsible. 
You see, it's it's our pride that keeps us from saying things like that to each other, to God. It's our arrogance of thinking we know that we're right. You know what? I'm not right. I'm still waking up. I'm still understanding how much God loves me and how badly I've offended him. I'm still coming to grips with what it means to love my brother and my sister, not to rise up in feelings of frustration or anger or separation. Now, it's not enough for him to have simply admitted all of this. He has to do something about it. He has to get up. The father's not going to come to him in the pig pen. The father is going to wait. The father's going to wait for him. If you want to see a change in your life, you're going to have to get up from your pig pen and you're going to have to begin the journey back to the Father. The Father is the one who has the food and the shelter and the job. So he got up and he went to his Father. He walked that long, dusty road It had not seemed very long when he'd come prancing down that road with bags full of gold and silver. It was a short journey to town, but now it's a very long trip home. He's hungry. He's tired. He's filthy dirty. He stinks of pig slop. But he's on his way home. (laughs) <laughs> He's on his way home. He's still a long way off, but his father was watching and he saw him coming. And he's, his father's heart was filled with compassion. God's heart is not filled with anger at you. When you come home, His heart is moved with compassion, and all of heaven begins to celebrate and rejoice. My lost sheep is found. He's coming home. He ran to his son, and he threw his arms around him. He kissed him. Even though he he was filthy, dirty, and stunk, he threw his arms around him, and he embraced him, and he kissed him. Some of you are shacked up with somebody you're not married to. You're in a pig pen, mister. Some of you are caught in all kinds of wickedness, carousing and debauchery and pornography and lying and cheating and stealing. You're in the pig pen. And you're dirty. And you've got to wake up. You've got to come to your senses. And realize that you're going to die if you stay in that pig pen. You've got to humble your heart. I have a friend. 
I love him with all my heart. He's, he's as dear as a brother. He is a brother. I've had others say of him, Pastor, he won't ever speak up and confront you with what you do wrong. Oh, really? He's too humble. Wow. God loves a humble man. Jesus didn't come to reprimand us. He didn't come to judge us. He didn't come to criticize us. He came to bring us to the Father. He came to wake us up and call us out of the pig pen. This young man says, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. The servants are listening. The father is listening while he's embracing his son. He's sobbing out this confession of wickedness. This is true repentance. The father says to his servant, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put it right on over the pig slop. Put a ring on his finger. Sandals on his feet. And go get that 4-H calf and slaughter it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate his return and the joy of his father's heart. Now there's a there's another son. He's called the elder son. He's out in the field working as he's supposed to. He's the good boy. The bad boys come home and now the good boy's coming home. And he hears the music and the dancing and he called to one of the servants and asked, Hey, what's going on? He said, Your brother's come. Your father's killed the calf. They're getting a feast put together. The older brother was angry, enraged. He refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you, and you never dis- and never disobeyed your orders. You never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Do you see this? Older brother's just as sound asleep as the as the younger brother. But when the younger brother is prodded by his hunger, when the younger brother is prodded by his sin, he repents and he goes home. The elder brother is not prodded by hunger. He has plenty to eat. He's not prodded by sleeping out beside the pigs. He has a nice bed to sleep on at home. The elder brother has his future before him. 
But he's angry at his father because his father has not given him enough. He's entitled to more than he's received. So he's mad. He's asleep. Both men were sound asleep. But the younger man woke up when he was prodded by his desperate physical condition. And he repented. While the elder brother is not prodded by his sin. In fact, the younger brother coming home could have prodded him to have compassion, but he resists that. And to this day, Israel has still not awakened. They were prodded by the gas furnaces of Nazism. They still didn't wake up. In their pride, they have still rejected their father, the Messiah. They say they're still looking for the Messiah, but the Messiah won't come. He's already come. He was Jewish. And all the writers of the Bible were were Jewish. But the elder brother won't wake up. Now, can I be very direct? Some of you have utterly resisted waking up. You've already thought you were awake. I've thought that many times. But see, we get trapped in what we believe. I used to be a part of a denomination, and they claimed to have the truth. And they claimed everybody else was wrong. The fact is, they were so right, they were wrong. They misinterpreted the scriptures. And they added things to the scriptures. But it's hard to wake them up. And God, by his grace, brought me into such hardship and such pain in that denomination. I finally said, I'm leaving. I can't be a part of this anymore. And I left. And I thought, now I'm awake. Now I can do something great. No. Now you can struggle and go to the desert. A dear sister said to me this week, I had a, I had a word from God. God spoke to me, Pastor. He said three words. God loves desert. God loves desert. Why? Because it's in the desert we have a chance to wake up. It's in the desert that we have a chance to come back to the Father and fellowship with Him. We've left Egypt. We have yet to enter the promised land. But the promised land is very close. And soon we will enter the gates of glory. It's time to wake up. We've played the game of serving two masters. We've tried to serve Jesus. And we've served the culture. The church has done that. 
the church has not even had to have much faith. They've just gone along to get along. But now as we've been vomited out of our church, and now as we have seen the destruction of jobs and businesses, things are getting difficult. And now faith has to rise up and we have to dress in faith. Gold tried in the fire. But I want to tell you that it's not enough. Faith is not enough. Yes, we're saved by faith, but there's some other aspect that needs to be considered. That that faith that rises up in our hearts must lead us must lead you and me and must lead the American church into a full crucifixion with Jesus Christ. We will not wake up until we have been crucified with Christ and the pride has been dealt with. The arrogance has been erased from our hearts. The judgment of one another, the separation one from another, The Lord has told me very directly, the church, the American church must be crucified with Jesus. They have not yet, they've not yet been crucified. That causes me deep anguish of heart. I rejoice that the church is finally beginning to wake up. I rejoice that the church is finally beginning to have a little bit of faith and take authority with that faith. But we still lack power because now there must be a crucifixion. Without the crucifixion, we will not survive what's coming. Romans, the 13th chapter, says, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. It was interesting on on Sunday. It was time to pray. And we sat in silence and no one was praying. I finally said, whoa, whoa, wait, let's come together. Is there anyone here this morning who has not been hugged today? Some hands went up. People began to hug one another. Husbands hugging their wives. Brothers hugging brothers. The place warmed up. Let no debt remain outstanding except continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. And then people began to pray. The commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covenant, 
and whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in the one rule, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does not harm to its neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber. Because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies, drunkenness, not in sexual immorality, not in debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, go and get the robe from God. Do not think about how to gratify the desires of this sinful nature. Go to the Father and get the robe. Go to Jesus and let him put the robe on you, the robe of righteousness. You can't do that until you've been crucified with Christ, or it's just works of the flesh. You can force outward behavior that look like what you think a Christian is supposed to look like. That's not the heart of the issue. The Pharisees did that, and Jesus said, Look, if your righteousness does not exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. There must be a Roman 6, crucifixion with Jesus Christ. You see, this young man was crucified when he fully confessed his guilt and his sin before God and then before his father, his family. And when he had fully confessed, his father put a robe on him and sandals on his feet, and a ring on his hand. We're going to have to be crucified with Christ. Now, I want to tell you, this is not a one-time occurrence. Over and over and over, I've had to be crucified with Christ. Does that mean I'm sinning? No, I'm not walking in any known sin or rebellion against God. But he exposes attitudes. He calls me to grow up. He calls me to put away childish things and be a man. He calls us to inner healing in the spirit. I talked with a brother this morning, a pastor over in Ohio a man I dearly love. He prays with people for inner healing. He said, Ray, there are so many people who need praying for inner healing. I can't begin to do it with everybody. It takes me hours with each one. He said, we're going to have to believe that Jesus will come by his Spirit and they will be brought into direct contact with the Holy Spirit and they will be healed and transformed in a matter of moments. I said, yes, John. I believe that's what's going to happen. 
It's not enough for me to bring people to me. I've got to bring people to Jesus. And my awakening, I pray constantly, God, wake me up. Bring me into the fullness of your Holy Spirit. Now, some people say, when you were baptized, when you were born again, you received all the Holy Spirit you're going to receive. Anyone who says that has not read carefully the Scriptures. There is a Pentecost baptism that Jesus wants to give to his people. It is power to heal, not just the sick, but the brokenhearted, the lonely, the exhausted, and the tired. Oh, Lord, wake me up. Then if you look over here with me at Ephesians, the fifth chapter. I'll begin reading with with verse 5. For of this you can be absolutely certain. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. You see, a, a greedy person, an impure person, an idolater, can exercise a certain level of faith. To every man is given a portion of faith. That doesn't mean you're saved. You are not saved until you've been born from on high. Now let me say something that would be easily misunderstood, but I must say it anyway. Salvation is not a mystical experience where through intuition, through meditation, I seek God until I come into an exquisite experience of a static relationship. No. The work of salvation is a sovereign work of God that he does by faith in your heart. When you get up from the pig pen and you begin walking home, you are exercising faith that you will be received when you arrive there. Then comes the confession. Then comes the crucifixion. The dying to self before your father, before your brother. Salvation is a sovereign work of God. And you must seek him until this work is done in your heart. Oh, you can stop smoking as President Eisenhower did just by the power of his will. You can stop drinking by going to AA. You can stop fornicating by going to a group. But your essential nature cannot be changed by human will. That takes a circumcision of the heart that is done only by Jesus. 
It is a sovereign work of grace in your heart. And it happens as faith begins to rise in your heart and you go to the crucifixion. Now the Lord gave me a dream. I was standing at a baptismal tank and there was a young maiden there dressed all in gold symbolizing she was in faith. I tenderly called her to be baptized. She turned her face aside and did not want to enter into that. That's where the church is today. The church is going to have to enter into that baptism by the Holy Spirit where we are fully and completely crucified with Jesus. Let no one deceive you. This is chapter 5, verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Let no one deceive you by saying you don't have to leave your sin to be saved. Don't let anyone deceive you by telling you that you cannot lose your salvation. Don't be deceived by these empty modern words of the modern teachers. I spoke to you yesterday about a a woman who in her aged position, widowed, moved in with a man and lived as husband and wife, even though she had been in the church all of her life. Her favorite biblical teacher was Charles Stanley. What does Charles Stanley teach? And by the way, he's one of the best teachers I've ever listened to. He has an excellent skill in teaching. But what does he believe? Well, he believes that he tried his best as he was raised in a holiness church to overcome his sin, and he was not able to overcome his sin. And so because of that, he adopted the position that You can sin and still go to heaven. He adopted the Reformed position, and he deserted John Wesley's holiness position. He was deceived with empty words because he was unwilling to finish the crucifixion process. I don't want you to hold back. I want you to boldly step forward and say, Pastor, I want to be crucified with Jesus fully, completely. Every day I die with Jesus Christ. I am crucified daily. Oh God, let it be so. Because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. If you walk in known sin, you are disobedient before God, and even though you call yourself a Christian and say you're saved, the wrath of God is about to come down upon you. And you'll find out you're in the pig pen, not the Father's house. And if you don't make it to the Father's house in time, you will be lost and cast into hell. Hell is going to be full of people who say, I'm a Christian. I have faith. Well, show me your works. I'll show you my faith. 
Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. For the fruit of the life consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. If that were not possible, Paul would not have said that. Find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Confront them. For it's shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. I mean, I'm ashamed to talk about orgies and carousing, debauchery, fornication, pornography, bitterness, anger, lust. Verse 13, this is Ephesians 5, verse 13, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For it is light that makes everything visible. The light came upon this young man in the pig pen, and he said, I don't have to be here. I could be at my father's house. I'm not worthy. That's the attitude of every person who truly repents. I'm unworthy. I don't deserve God's mercy. Yesterday I received a letter in the mail. I opened it. I read it. I just sat and cried. I was utterly unworthy of that message. I praise God. I praise God for the kindness of his people. I praise God for the patience you show with me as you listen to this broadcast. I make so many mistakes. I say things the wrong way. I offend people when I don't mean to. You've been very kind to me. Thank you. I am undeserving of that kindness. I'm not anybody. I'm just, I'm just a, a servant of God who came out of a pig pen and got cleaned up. And now I'm trying to fully wake up. Do you understand that this has to be our attitude? We don't have the right to pout. To be offended. Are you kidding me? We don't deserve the kindness of our Father. We don't deserve the kindness of one another. Thank you for all your kindness, my brothers and sisters, my family. Thank you. Thank you for the way you have supported this radio broadcast this year. Thank you for your sacrifice along with me to make this broadcast possible. Thank you 
I open your letters and it makes me weep. For I know the sacrifice for some of you. Thank you. He then says, this is why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Rise up out of that pig pen and go to the Father. Rise from the dead position of hopelessness and discouragement and despair. Rise from the place of no money and no food and no shelter and no nothing. Rise up out of that and go back to God and confess and repent and trust him and he will work it out for you. Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead. Christ will shine on you. The glory of Jesus will rise as you come to him out of that pig pen and you confess your sin before him. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk on wine. It leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. And husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with the water from the word, to present to her, to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. That's what we're called to. My brother, my sister, wake up, rise from the dead. Rise from your hopelessness. Take authority in the name of Jesus and bind the spiritual powers that have come against you. Open your mouths and pray. Cry aloud. Don't get down on your knees and pray a little silent prayer. Get up on your feet or lay on your face on the floor and cry out to God with a loud voice. He will hear you. And he will answer you. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. It's time to rise. And for some of you to finish this crucifixion process. And for some of you to, to give up any sense of pride any any arrogance, any self-righteousness, and walk daily being crucified with Christ, loving one another, being patient with one another, covering over the sin of your brother and your sister, 
not judging, not cutting and running, doing the will of God. Well, we're out of time for today. I'm so glad you were here. You inspire my heart. Thank you. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. God bless you, my brother and sister. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. And you can go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com nationalprayerchapel.com You can give online. Go to the upper right-hand corner. Click on the donate page. And you can give. Please give as the Holy Spirit calls you. Give hilarious. Give willingly. And this broadcast can continue and stay so you can hear it and be lifted up in the Spirit. I love you. Pray for me. I'm praying for you. I'll talk to you soon.